good morning. So good to see you. Welcome to service today. I trust everybody found a place to park your boat this morning as you came on the property and uh, got it moored up so it stays there. Man, have we had some rain and so on, but I'm delighted to see you in the house of the Lord this morning. And on this blessed Lord's Day, as you know, it's our Sunday we've set aside as a few of these to focus on missions and worldwide evangelism, and our hearts are just excited today to see what God is going to do here and through Plantation Baptist Church. We always begin with an anthem of praise and worship and adoration to our God. And I chose this morning a hymn that was written many years ago. It talks about a thousand tongues and all the voices lifting their voice in praise to our great Redeemer. And I chose it for the last verse when it talks about to spread through all the earth abroad the honors of thy name. What a mission's emphasis. Stand if you would. If you know how to sing, sing with all your heart. If not, stand there and be blessed. Listen to God's people. outside. We thank you for the cooler weather that it's brought. Father, we might think sometimes that the weather is not great, but it's always great because it's in your control. Father, I thank you for the guests that are here today. I thank you for the people that made it here today. Father, I thank you for protecting us as they come, as they continue to come to church this morning. Father, we know that in our hearts, we either have to have faith or fear. We cannot have both. If someone's here today and they have fear and not faith in you, allow today to open their eyes and their hearts and their ears and allow them to hear the gospel today and receive you as their Lord and Savior that they can spend eternal life with you. Father, as we bring up Dr. Stringer, I ask you that you let him preach your word through him. Allow him to be clear. Father, in Matthew 28, we are commanded to go teach all nations. We're all missionaries to the gospel, Father. Father, I ask you to be with us now as we turn around and greet one another. In Jesus' name pray. 
Amen. Turn around and wave to your neighbor. As you stay standing, you hear Brother Jeff playing the lifting of the name of the Lord on high. I'm so glad you came to save us. You came from heaven and earth to show us the way. What a joy. Combine that with hallelujah, praise the Lamb. Use this as a moment of worship now. Lift your voice. joy it is to know the Lord Jesus as our precious Savior. I love that line in that little chorus. I'm so glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you came to save us. And if you've been saved by the Lord Jesus, then you want to sing hallelujah to praise the Lamb of Glory. Welcome to service this morning. So good to see our church family. I believe that we're online at this moment. 
And so if we've popped up on your feed or we have awoken you from your sleep, hello and welcome to Plantation Baptist Church this morning. And uh, we wanted having a special service today to make sure that we allowed both of them to go over the airwaves. And so join us and I trust you'll check in and share the service and just do what you can do on that end. Of course, many of you will be coming to the 1030 service and you're going to listen here. And the 830 service is going to go home and listen to the 1030 service. So we'll get, I heard, I heard, I heard, a, yes, we are, Pastor, right? Yes, we are. Of course we are. That was our plan. No problem. Or you might be staying and that'll be wonderful as well. I see faces I do not recognize. I don't know your name. And uh, that must mean that you're visiting with us today. We are delighted to have you. Uh, I'm not sure who invited you or how you heard about the church, but um, your presence is just a wonderful blessing to us. We always ask our guests if they would reach out and grab a connection card that's in the pew in front of them um, and take a pen and fill that out when the offering plate goes by. If you'll drop that in the plate, that just lets us know who you are. Make sure you wrote on there, we are a guest of. And so we love to rejoice with those folks as they have friends and family and neighbors and so on that come with them. And I trust that you'll be blessed in the service. While they're doing that, let me make some announcements now as uh, we have some readjustment that we are doing. We were supposed to have a youth activity last night, and because of the rain, we moved that to this coming Saturday. And so if you have a teenager, you'll want to know that for sure. Um, as we are moving forward in our Wednesday night services at 7 o'clock. And we have uh, we finished the book of Esther, and we'll be starting a new series there. So I hope and pray that you'll be there. We started the Awana program Wednesday. It went great. Um, the building is still standing, and nothing was destroyed, and the kids had a good time. And so we thank God for that. And I would encourage you to come back to Awana. Uh, they had a wonderful crowd to start. It was just the perfect size that enabled us to do a practice run and enabled us to understand our distancing, and I know that we're excited for what God is going to do. We've had many boys and girls come to faith in Jesus through the Awana program, and and so you pray for that as we make our way forward there. Of course, we're moving toward Anniversary Sunday, the last Sunday of the month, and our church will be celebrating 58 years on the 27th of September, 58 years chartered. We're, We're actually older than that as a church um, but this is when they corporately got together and officially organized uh, and chartered in September, the last Sunday of 1962. We actually still have a dear precious lady in our church who is a charter member of Plantation Baptist. And, uh, and we thank God for her, uh, Jean Thornsbury. What a delight it is. We're looking forward to a great day of celebration. That's the day I'm hoping to get everybody back. And uh, we are organizing that way. We have much to communicate that day. We will have baptisms in the morning. We have folks that have been saved and that will be baptized. We have new members to present and to to our church on that day. That we had a new members class that we will finish. It got disrupted from COVID. We will be going to the table of the Lord on that day as well. Both services, and um, we look forward to that. You do not need to be a member of our church to come to the table of the Lord with us, but you must be saved and you must be water baptized is what we ask, uh, as we believe that we approach the table of the Lord that, that way. Um, we are making available a, a distant room for those that would be considered high risk. 
This would be a room where you would wear the mask the entire time and just take it off for the elements. Uh, We're prepared there. It will be open. So we've had folks that have reserved a seat for that. If you would like to be in that room, maybe you're um, dealing with a very high-risk situation in your health, as I've talked to many of our church people, call, and uh, we'll make sure that you're able to enter that room, be in that room, and exit that room in a way that will be safe towards you. And if somebody touches you, we'll kill them and have their funeral on that day as well. And so uh, don't worry about that. Oh, speaking of that, I almost forgot. Pat Harris went home to be with the Lord. Yeah, she did. She's with the Lord. Um, let's see. I'm not sure what day it was. It might have been Friday. And um, Barbara Churchill. Barbara, are you here? She'll be in our 1030 service. Barbara had been ministering to her. And Pat was in hospice. And um, Barbara went to see her just a few hours before she passed in the day. And um, Pat was in and out of consciousness. And she woke up and she said, Barbara? And Barbara said, I'm I'm here. And Pat said, "Um, I'm going to die. And a few hours later, she did. And Barbara said, Pat, it's going to be okay. By the way, when you die knowing Jesus, it's going to be okay. Right? Absent from the body present with the Lord. One of the great, greatest hope you can have on this earth is to know where you are going to go when you die. And the Bible tells us we can know that through the Lord Jesus. Her service will be October 3rd, the first Saturday of October. And um, then I'll travel to St. Petersburg and do a burial over there. That's where her sons are. And so pray for that if you would Please, so much to report what God is doing, so many answers to prayer, and just looking forward to uh, just continuing serving the Lord and uh, being available for Him to work in and through. The music today is just it's so fitting, it's so needed, and uh, it's needed for us to sing together corporately, it's needed for us to listen, and I, I chose an old faithful, been sung throughout the ages, been sung by the people of God for in many services. It's a soul-stirring hymn, and it has a wonderful title, two words to it, Jesus Saves. If you've been saved by Jesus, would you say amen to that? And so it begins, we've heard the joyful sound, Jesus Saves. Now we spread the tidings all around. Of course, saved people want to tell everybody we know about how they can be saved. Bear the news to every land. Climb the steeps. And cross the waves, onward tis our Lord's command. The words in this hymn will just stir you. Pay attention to what you're singing. Read them. Think about them. You won't need them when you get to Jesus Saves. And when you get to the part that Jesus saves, especially at the end, um, there's an old biblical philosophy you find in the game of golf. They call it grip it. Any golfers out there and rip it. Oh, okay. I heard some ladies' voices there, right? I'm the world's worst golfer. Don't take me. Go- don't ask me to go golfing. I don't want to go golfing. I, I, I would rather do something else with eight hours of my time. And, uh, but when I'm out there, you're always worried about your technique. And one day, one, a wise old man gave me great advice. He said, Pastor, just stand up there and grip it and rip it. I said, what does that mean? He said, just close your eyes and swing with all you got. And that's been my golf philosophy. So when you get to Jesus saves and you know him, grip it and rip it. Lift your voice and let's sing unto the Lord. Stand if you would. We have heard the joyful sound. 
word, the joyful sound. Jesus says, Jesus says, spread the tidings all around. Jesus says, Jesus says, bear the news to every land. Climb the steeps and cross the waves. Onward is our Lord's command. Jesus says, Jesus says. Wafted on the rolling tide, Jesus says, Jesus says, tell to sinners far and wide, Jesus says, Jesus says, sing ye islands of the sea, echo back ye ocean caves, earth shall keep her jubilee, Jesus says, Jesus says. Sing above the battle strife, Jesus says, Jesus says, by his death and endless life, Jesus says, Jesus says, sing it softly through the gloom, when the heart for mercy craves, sing in triumph o'er the tomb, Jesus says, Jesus says. Gives the winds a mighty voice. Jesus says, Jesus says, let the nation now rejoice. Jesus says, Jesus says, shout salvation full and free. Highest hills and deepest cave. This our song of victory. Jesus says, Jesus says. Seated for our prayers of the people and our offering. What a joy and what a delight. It's a joy and a delight to have with us Dr. and Mrs. Stringer today. And uh, I have known Dr. Stringer through um, other men in my life. He's a good friend of our missionary, Brother Steve Ziner. Um, I know him through the church in Chicago uh, of Quentin Road Baptist and our friends up there. And uh, Dr. Stringer has been preaching around the world. He loves the Lord. He loves the Word of God. He's been teaching in colleges and speaking in seminaries. And just God has used him in a wonderful and mighty way. Pastored in the city of Chicago, I think on the north side of Chicago. And um, so he's, he's used to pastoring churches like our church. He's used to preaching to people like us. And so I'm so Delighted to have him and excited to hear from him. I've asked him to preach on the subject of missions. I asked him to preach two different messages this morning so that God would use that in our hearts. And um, I trust that you will that you will listen intently for God's message for you today. And uh, I'm excited for that. The ensemble is going to sing, and they're going to sing after my prayer and before he speaks. And then Dr. Stringer will come. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, God, just want to say thank you this morning, Father, for who you are. I want to say thank you this morning for your precious gift, the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your willingness to become a man and to come to this earth and to go to the cross to give your life. 
for the sin of the world and for the people of the world. And Father, that and Lord Jesus, for you to be buried and rise again, just like the song said, by your death and your endless life, Jesus saves. Lord, my prayer today would be that if there be anybody here today that does not know the Lord, not, not that they're not religious or some type of formality. I want them to know the Lord. Have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. For he and he alone is the Savior. He and he alone is the wonderful keeper of our lives. I pray if there be anybody here today that does not know him, that today would be the day they'd open their heart and they would allow him to cleanse them. They would allow him by his spirit to indwell them, wash them, and birth them into the kingdom of God. Thank you, God. Father, I, I want to just thank you, too, for hearing and answering prayer. I know there are people here today that you've done a miracle in their life. And the Lord Jesus is the great physician, and you've touched them physically. And they've reckoned that, and they're here today. They're here today to say thank you. They're here today to reckon the strong hand of God, the good heart of God. And so, Lord, you know that heart. You know that mind. And I know you're pleased by, by the gra- gratefulness and the, and the thankfulness that is coming from them. And so receive that today, Heavenly Father, I pray. Lord, others have just seen you do meet many needs and financial needs and relational needs and employment needs and housing needs and wisdom needs. There's not a need that exists that you cannot supply. And so we thank you for that. Lord, today our concentration is on, I believe, the heartbeat of God. Missions. You've brought to us your man, the man of God, to preach to the people of God, the word of God. And so I pray for Dr. Stringer today. Empower him, enable him. Lord, preach through him. I get to sit and listen today just just as Tom. And so speak to my heart today too. Lord, thank you for your rich blessing in our lives. We've brought your tithe today. We've brought it in recognition of Jesus being the Lord, recognition of your, your provision. We've brought other offerings of love for missions and for the building and all different things. And so we bring them humbly, well, yet we bring them with wonderful faith, trusting the promises you've given to us in your book. Thank you, God. We love you. Lord, I want to thank you for the life of Pat Harris. I pray for her family today. And Lord, she loved you with all her heart. She is filled with God. She knew she was going to die, but she knew that she'd been saved. She knew Jesus as her Savior, and she knew that it would be absent from the body and present with the Lord, and she had the most beautiful little giggle. I can just hear her giggling when she saw Jesus. Thank you for that wonderful hope. Bless her family today, God. We love you now. Bless our service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless you as you give. God bless you as you listen to our ensemble singing a song entitled, Answer the Call. Do you see the souls in bondage 
longing to be free do you feel the desperation of a world in misery can you hear the call of jesus saying come and follow me and i'll lead you to the harvest of the hungry souls in need we will answer the call to be the people of the light take the love of jesus to the darkest night till every tribe and tongue and nation Here's the message of salvation from the one who gave his life for them all. We will answer the call. We're determined to be faithful to his calling of our lives. Wherever he will send us. Salvation from the one who gave. 
Wow, thank you all. I love the music. I love the theme of the music. I'm so very, very grateful for the opportunity to spend this time with you today. I'm grateful for the chance to talk about missions. What an incredibly wonderful and important subject. I get the opportunity to preach on that every so often, partly because I've done a fair number of mission trips, and I've got to preach in some unusual places and see some amazing things. Very quickly, let me just mention the books I have out on the table in the foyer. I normally put out eight books that I have written. Uh, we, we had eight boxes of books shipped here, and I don't know what happened to them. They are not here. But let me tell you what I do have. I have Faithful Baptist Witness. This was written to explain what a Baptist is. What a Baptist believes. What is our Baptist heritage? Something of the history of people that believe this. We're living in a day when people who have been saved in Baptist churches, blessed by Baptist churches, are abandoning Baptist churches, right and left. They don't know what they're giving up and what they're missing. And uh, this was written to be a very simple book explaining that. There's some great 1,000-page books that explain it, but I thought most of our folks weren't buying them and reading them. So uh, this was designed to be for the average person in the church. This is called Evangelism Made Simple, co-written by my pastor and I about how to keep the gospel clear. When you're witnessing to people. And um, we, we've been gratified by the response to that. This is called the Unbroken Bible. The incredible history, accuracy, and legacy of the King James Bible. Each of those uh, uh, books is $20 each. I have just a few of my history books out there. I Again, I had shipped, shipped a bunch. I do not know what happened to them. But um, out there and some small books that are $4 each. If you have any questions about the books, feel free to ask. We want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and we want to talk about the mechanics of missions, how it works. Before we do, could I give you a few illustrations of missions? I've had the privilege to go some interesting places. Some folks ask me how that happens. I said, mostly because I say yes when invited. But I've seen some unusual things. I was in Cambodia, I would say, three years ago now. And uh, I was asked if I would be willing to go out in the jungle. And, and there were some churches out there, really out in the jungle. And, and by out in the jungle, I mean when I got there, they were an area, no electricity, no bathrooms. And, and they had something called roads, but they you wouldn't recognize them from any road you'd, I'd ever been on. And um, the story behind those churches, I, I preached at a pastor's fellowship 34 independent Baptist churches represented in that pastor's fellowship. Their story is that back in the 1950s, American missionaries went out there in the jungle, began to preach the gospel, win people to Christ, start churches, translated the Bible. When the communist Cambodian Holocaust came to Cambodia, and uh, a third of the population was executed by communist revolutionaries. These folks fled to the mountains. Pastors had different responsibilities than what we're used to. Pastors would take their whole congregation up to the mountains and, and resettle. And then 10 years later, when the communists were overthrown, uh, of course, when that happened and they went up the mountains, all the American missionaries left and uh, had to. And 10 years later, when the communist government was overthrown, they came back down to their traditional spot in the jungles 
and rebuilt their villages and rebuilt their churches. And they began to operate without any American influence or any contact and really didn't have anybody that spoke English much. One 16-year-old girl translated for me as I spoke four times. She was the only one that had English fluent enough for that. I was the first American preacher that had been back there in decades. And it was amazing to see what God had done. I asked them a really stupid question. Have you ever done this? I just said this, and the second I said it, I knew it was really stupid. I wish I hadn't said it, but it was already out. I was meeting with these folks, and they were so sound, such sound, clear, doctrinal Baptist. I asked them how they'd been able to stay so straight without the contact with American missionaries. I realized right away it was a stupid question. Because when I asked, they all held up their Bibles. Couldn't have been a better answer. But uh, as, as I had a chance to be with those folks, you realize there are independent Baptist churches out there that 70 years ago made those churches and their ministry today possible that don't even know that those churches are there today. But that, that's the product of their missions because they were willing to invest in the work of the Lord. I was in, uh, eight years ago, 2012, I was in India, and I was asked if I'd be willing to go. We drove to this hill, and uh, and we drove up the hill. We could not get up all the way to the top of the hill where the village was. We had to walk the last little bit. It's an interesting place. It was famous as a headhunter village. They had perfected the thing. You'd cut people. They'd just kidnap people, cut people's heads off, shrink the heads, and then sell the heads as, uh, I don't know what you'd call them, souvenirs. And uh, th- they actually, at, at this current time, every Ripley's, believe it or not, around the world has a shrunken head from that village. But about a 100 years ago, a Baptist missionary from Australia went there, went up that hill, began to preach the gospel, and told those people, in spite of everything they had done and been, if they'd put their faith and trust in what Jesus Christ did for them when he died on the cross, they could be saved. And every adult in that village made a profession of faith in Christ. At the current time, all but three adults in that village are members of that independent Baptist church. And I was there, and they had uh, people from two other villages there. We had three languages represented. And so I preached, and they translated for me threefold. I'd preach. The kids all knew English, and they'd get what I was saying. But then the group sitting over here, somebody would translate for them. Then somebody would translate for the group in the middle. And then somebody would translate for the group over here. It was really interesting. Bless her heart. It had interesting moments. If you said something intended to be funny and it worked, the kids would laugh. And then this group would laugh. And then this group would laugh. And then this group would laugh. But if you intended to say something funny and it bombed, and you realized the kids weren't laughing, that meant this group's not going to laugh. And this group's not going to laugh. And that group's not going to laugh. They were building a brick building 
in the village. It was by far going to be the biggest building in the village. 800 seat church auditorium. 300 adults in the village. And I said, if you don't mind my asking, why are you building an 800 seat church auditorium for a village with 300 adults? And they said, you know, it's been 100 years. And it's taken a century for everybody around here to get over their hatred for our village. We're remembered as the people that killed their grandparents and, and, and did all these horrible things. And he says, it's taken us a hundred years to get over that reputation. But said, you see now, you see that hill over there? There's another village over there. See that hill? There's another village over there. We've got folks from a couple of these villages. Say, see that hill? There's a village over there. See that hill? There's another village over there. Say, we're going to get that 800-seat auditorium building, and we're going to get a van, and we're going to run that van to that hill every Sunday and bring some folks. And then we're going to run a van to that hill, and we're going to run a van to that hill. And run a van. And when we have won enough people to Christ there, we're going to start a church there. And then we're going to start a church there. And we're going to start a church there. And they believed God had given to them every village inside of their hill. And that there was to be a church in every one of those villages. That's missions. And somebody, because of faithful churches in Australia, was able to go there and win those people to Christ. A hundred years ago. Do you understand? This is serious business we're talking about. And it is the most incredible thing in the world. I was preaching in the Philippines, where I, I normally spend every January, half for twenty last 24 years. I'm hoping I can spend it there this year. It's not open yet to American folks, but um, I was preaching in a church there and um, there was a, the pastor got up, told him I was flying to Japan to, to preach in Japan the next day. And he said, pray for Brother Stringer. He's going to Japan tomorrow. And one of the ladies that was the president came up to me afterwards and she said, uh, what airline are you flying tomorrow? I told her. She said, well, I work there. She said, in fact, I'm responsible for the flights to Japan. She said, come a little early. Come by my office. And, and so I went. I went by her office and, and she got me kicked up to a first-class ticket at no charge to the flight to Japan. I thought, that's gracious. She said, do you mind if I ask you a question? I said, no. She said, that was my first time ever in a Baptist church. She said, my father started going to the church six weeks ago, and he can't stop talking about it. And uh, she said, he kept trying to get me to come and trying to get me to come. She said, I came for the first time. I heard you preach last night. And she said, I have a question. She said, I hope you don't mind. I said, Go right ahead. She said, this being saved thing, she said, is this just for Baptists or can a Catholic get in on that too? Yeah. I thought, you got a few minutes? <laughs> and I had the chance to share the gospel with her. She trusted Christ as her Savior. Now, the pastor at that church is a native Filipino. He wasn't a missionary. But he was led to Christ by a missionary. And now he's pastoring that church. And as a result of that, that lady trusted Christ as their Savior. I went back the next year. I preached at that church every year. I wondered whether she would be there or not. Sometimes people make professions of faith and grow and are doing great. And sometimes you never see them again. But but I went to, and on my way to the church the next year, I wondered, am I going to see that lady? And there she was, the choir director. Wow. They'd put her to work. 
They told me she showed up the next Sunday, said she got saved. And they baptized her, and, and she was at work there serving the Lord. I've seen her several times since then. I'm just telling you, this is the greatest thing in the world that you and I could have some part in somebody who otherwise would not have heard the gospel message, no matter where they're at in the world, hearing the gospel message and trusting Christ as their Savior. Won't that be an amazing thing in heaven? Won't be time limited in heaven. If if you meet somebody and want to spend the next million years talking to them, you, you got plenty of time. To meet folks in heaven and find out that your involvement in a local Baptist church, your giving, your prayer, made it possible for somebody to go and win them to Jesus Christ. And you get to see face to face, eyeball to eyeball, the person that God used you to be a part of reach. Won't that be something? That'd be absolutely amazing. I mean, this is the most important business in the world. I, I hope you'll, you'll be with us in person or, or uh, live stream or whatever for the message. The second message will be the why of all this. But this is about the mechanics of all this. The Lord has given us some instructions to look at uh, about all of this. And so if you look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 16, we go to verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints... I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. When I come, whomsoever ye shall approve by your letters, them will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. Can we just talk about a few lessons we can get from this? First of all, this is what we mean by missions. Missions, giving, is when you give not for your own use. Okay? If you're remodeling your church parking lot and your church building, all that, which is just wonderful and it's a great thing, and you ought to support it and be part of it, but that's not missions. You're going to directly benefit from your giving, your work, your effort in this project. It's wonderful, but that's not missions. Missions is when you give for the sake of ministry outside your own local church. When your local church invests in somebody else doing what needs to be done, it's given to the saints, and those saints are then carrying out the work of God in whatever fashion they're doing. The case in front of them, they were helping the church in Jerusalem, but missions is when you're giving to supply for the work of the Lord outside your local church. There are churches that don't do that, by the way. There are churches that are so selfish, they do not see beyond that which benefits them. New gym, that's the work of God. God has a sense of humor. Back in the days when I was younger and played sports, I always wished I was in a church that had a gym. Today, I'm a member of a church that has three gyms. Church gym, high school gym, college gym, and I'm too old to do anything in any of them. Giving for the church gymnasium is just fine. But missions is something completely different. There are churches that can see. In fact, there are churches that act like the money we don't spend on ourselves is wasted. Except that we have been given a commission by the Lord to see that his word goes to the whole earth. You and I can't go to the whole earth. I've been blessed to go to a number of places. When word got out in our day of the internet that I went 
and, and did meetings in mission churches, including some places that are not as comfortable as they might we might normally go to. You folks have been wonderful. We're staying in a wonderful hotel, and you're very gracious to us. Some of the missions places I've been to, you do not get to stay like that. Word got out that I could go, that I did that, took those kind of meetings. I began to get invited to go all over the world. And trust me, I would like to have accepted every single one of those invitations. But the limits of humanity, space, time, physical ability, money, etc. I just have only been able to accept a portion of those. But even if I had accepted all of them, I wouldn't be able to go to the whole world directly. It is through the concept of missions that we play a part in taking this message to the whole world. So missions is when we invest money for the saints to do the work of the Lord outside of our own local church. Second thing about it, I want you to know this commission, this instruction is given to the church. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. The churches in Corinth were supposed to be doing this like the churches at Galatia did this. This is a job for the local church. By the way, and, and lots of folks do not understand this. I cover this in, in my book out on the table there, Unbroken. But a lot of folks say, ye, thee, boy, I don't like those old English words. Give me something more modern. Do you understand those words have a meaning? Every personal pronoun you find in the New Testament that starts with a T is the translation of a Greek word that is singular. Every personal pronoun with a Y is a translation of a Greek word that is plural. And so you know, you know immediately whether you're looking at singular or plural. And you have some modern translation that translates them all as you. You don't know what you're looking at. But here, in the Great Commission, go ye into all the world. That's given to a plural, to a group of people. You want to know who it's given to? It's given to local church. Right here, you see this. This instruction was given to the churches in Galatia. Now it's being given to the churches in Corinth. You, a group of people working together. This burden isn't on you as an individual. But it is a challenge given to us as a group. To take this message to the whole world. Missions, we have the definitions of missions. We know who it's for. It's for the local church. And it tells us again how to do it upon the first day of the week. Let every one of you lay by him in store. Uh, we're supposed to give to missions through our local church. Amen. We gather together. The local church is able to do things differently than you can as an individual. For one thing, a good local church investigates missions and does the best they can to know what they're giving to and how it works. By the way... Brother Steve Ziner, who I believe is a member here, if I'm not mistaken. Brother Steve Ziner, a dear friend of mine, and one of the greatest mission spokesmen that I know in this day and age in terms of being conscious of what goes on in our world, having been to a lot of places. Uh, for a while, he and he and I would compete to who'd been the most countries, but he's, he's pulled ahead of me uh, pretty good now. But, uh, I mean, he's just one of the greatest mission spokesmen that there is. And, and you couldn't find a better person to go to for advice and counsel on what to support and what not to support. I mean, he is one of the two guys that I call all the time about that. 
But I will tell you, the local church could do some things with this that an individual cannot in assessing what's worthy, what's appropriate, the best way to help, to be on top of things, to collect money and pool it together in order to be able to make a difference. It's given to local church. Our give at missions giving is designed by God to be given through local church. Then it says we ought to give this way. As God hath prospered him. Boy, the more we have been blessed, the more we should be invested in missions. Glory to God, it is an amazing thing to be in an American church. We do not always think of ourselves as wealthy. But you start comparing things to churches around the world. It is utterly amazing what you will come across. We have been blessed. We have been prospered. There is a reason why the United States is the world's greatest missionary nation. is because the United States has the greatest economy in the world. I know there's a lot of folks to cry that today, but they should try living somewhere else. We have been... Actually, there's several reasons why they should try living somewhere else, but that's another topic for another day. Uh, We have been blessed with the world's greatest economy, and I believe that God has blessed this nation because one of the things that has come out of that great economy is the sending of missionaries around the world, and I believe there are subjects and situations where the United States can and should and will come under the judgment of God, but there's also a couple things that causes God to still bless the United States. One, God promises to bless the nation that blesses Israel, and we make the existence of Israel possible. Man, if we had reminders of that in the last couple of weeks, when moderate Muslim nations are making deals with Israel, brokered by who? Yeah. Wasn't long ago there was no such thing as a moderate Muslim nation, and all those nations were calling for the destruction of Israel. Man, what have we seen the last few weeks? Right. United States is blessed because the United States blesses Israel. The United States is blessed of God, I believe, because the United States is the world's missionary nation. You find a missionary going to another country, over 90% of the time, they're going from the United States. You are starting to see a real emphasis on missions in the Filipino churches. And, and that blesses me and encourages me. And, and I now know, in fact, I teach in a college, in the, colleges in the Philippines every January, and I've seen folks that are former students of mine in the Philippines that are now in other countries serving as missionaries. It is quite an experience. I was in Ghana, Africa, a year before last, when one of my former students, Filipino, who's now in Ghana, came by to visit. Boy, that was a blessing. And the Philippines is starting to become a missionary nation, and that's a wonderful thing. But I'm going to tell you, you meet a foreign missionary, 90% of the time you're talking to somebody that is from the United States. And that's appropriate because we have been blessed financially. But we're supposed to give to missions as God has prospered us. Those that have been blessed by God with the most of this world's goods are supposed to make the greatest investment in missions. 
That's the plan of God. God did not ask that you go without food or shelter to give to missions. He did ask that you remember the Lord when you are blessed and prospered and that you honor the Lord with missions giving. That is the plan of God. As God prospers you more, your missions giving ought to be more. As God blesses you more with material things, your missions giving through your local church ought to be more. That is simply the plan of God. God invented proportional giving. In many religious groups around the world, you pay a fee. You pay virtually a tax. You pay an assessment. God invented voluntary proportional giving where you decide how much you give but you remember in the course of your giving how much God has blessed and prospered you. By the way, I really do believe that if you'd like God to bless you even more, if God knows that your heart is such that you would be investing more in missions, which is the heart of God, if he blessed you more, boy, have you given God a good reason to bless you more. I believe the more you invest in missions, the more God invests in you. As God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come, is supposed to be organized, planned, prepared, not a haphazard program, which is why churches do things like your church does. You try to have an organized missions program. You can challenge people. You can plan. And it's not just, oh, let's figure out what we're going to do today. There's conscious effort and investment in this organization. That the pastor has a plan that he's trying to lead a congregation in the importance of missions giving. And the local church rallies around the pastor's plan. Well, it's important that you have a pastor that plans. Do you understand? A church of 10, everybody cannot have their own way. You'll go crazy. But a church of 1,000 can adjust to one pastor and follow a pastor's plan. And you can get things done. And I've watched this over and over again. I preach in one or two different churches every week. I have seen churches that have poured themselves into missions under the leadership of a pastor. And man, oh man, does God bless that church financially. I know there's an awful lot of folks say, if we give to missions, we won't be able to do this, we won't be able to do that. Really, you don't think God blesses that? The churches I know that people describe... I said, boy, that's a wealthy church. That's a, I'm telling you, there are churches that invest a great deal of missions and they didn't start investing a great deal of missions when they started being a wealthy church. God prospered them as they shared what they prospered as a group with and what they prospered as individuals with. Organized, planned, accountable and responsible. Verse 3, and when I come, whomsoever ye shall approve by your letters, them will I send to bring your liberality into Jerusalem. They had this organized, and there were people that were the program was going to be accountable to, so that everybody knew where the money was going. The money was not being misused. Yes, I know a lot of folks respond poorly to the idea of missions giving because they've all heard stories of how missions giving was misused. So have I. I've not only heard them, I've seen them places where I've been. I was in a country 
And again, we went out in a jungle. And I've learned the difference when they call, most countries, if they call something a town, it means it has electricity. If they call it a village, it means it doesn't. And we went out in a village, South America. Took, took an interesting trip out in the jungle to get to it. We got there. Here's a town. And the biggest, nicest building in town was a church building. Had named Baptist Church on the sign. Had air conditioners that I found out later were powered by a generator. This was right on the equator. And it was miserable hot. But the building was boarded up and not being used. However, we went to that town in order to preach in a Baptist church. And the Baptist church met in a chicken coop that one wall had fallen down on. And so you had a platform and you had some old rusted folding chairs in, in there. And then one wall was down and so you had some people out there. And they had about 100 people on a Sunday night. Pastor Jim Ellis, who was here in Florida from, from over in North Fort Myers, and I preached there. We had a most incredible time. I preached an hour. We sang for an hour. He preached an hour. And he wanted to know why we stopped so early. Trust me, I'm not doing that today. I understand I'm in the United States. But I'm just telling you, really, they want to know why we stopped so early. Those are fun people to preach to. But I asked them, so what? Why are you in a chicken coop when there's this building over here? And then they said the mission board owns that building, won't let us use it. So that doesn't make any sense. And he said, well, they have one missionary here in town, in the country, in the capital. I said, take me to see him. They said, it won't do any good. They said, can't hurt anything. Take us to see him. They went and took me and the other preacher, and we went in to talk to this guy. And, and uh, I, I spent some time trying to get acquainted with him. I asked him about his ministry. And he said, well, his ministry had been having a weekly Bible study at the local high school. That didn't sound like a full-time ministry to me. So I asked him how it was going. And he said, well, they weren't actually meeting right now. He was waiting for strategic time to restart it. On his driveway was a truck. And then another truck hooked up to a boat. And he told me he'd gotten two trucks so they didn't have to go through back and forth, you know, hooking them up. I was talking to him a while. It was plain as day. He was there on a missionary budget, wouldn't do anything. And so finally I said, look, I was, I was just preaching church where, in a town where your mission board owns a building. And said, seems to me that they need a building, and you have one, and you're not doing anything with it. And uh, couldn't you make some arrangements to give it to them or rent it, let them use it or rent it to them or something? No, oh, no, no. He said, that's not a real church. He had some minor little difference with them. They were both independent Baptists. He had some minor little difference with them. And said, no, no, we could never let them use it. And I said, brother, I would not want to be you at the judgment seat of Christ answering for this. Then the other preacher who'd sat there quietly through the whole conversation said, Phil, what makes you think he'll be there? Oh, 
Well, anyway, for some reason he asked us to leave after that. and We never talked to him again. But I'm going to tell you something. I do believe we are going to answer the judgment seat of Christ for how we serve the Lord in the matter of missions. Now, I believe that person who claims to be a missionary will answer at the judgment seat of Christ. I would not want to be him answering for the misuse of God's people's money that they gave to God for missions. I would not want to be him. But I believe the rest of us are going to answer too. And no, if God hasn't called you the mission field, God hasn't sent you to be a missionary, boy, boy, the things you don't have to be concerned about are answered for because they're not yours. But I would not want to answer to God if I let discouragement about somebody else's failure keep me from doing what God called me to do. I would not want to answer to God if I was so selfish in my uh, thinking about finances that I did not do what God called me to do. I would not want to answer to God if there were missed opportunities that my church could not afford to take because I did not do my part in giving. So I do believe at the judgment of seat of Christ, we answer to God for this. It's the great commission read earlier, Matthew chapter 20. It's the great commission. We were commanded you understand it is a great commission. It is not the great possibility, the great suggestion. The modern missions movement started back in the late 1700s. Before that, missions was mostly people were burdened for country and they would move there and, and go on about reestablishing their life in that country. In the late 1700s, William Carey began to preach in England about the idea of churches going together, pooling their resources, which is what we do in mission boards and so forth, pooling their resources and, and supporting missions, somebody to go and be a full-time missionary. It was controversial. Many of the pastors didn't like the idea. They, they had a preacher's meeting where he preached about it in, in England, and it broke up into a big argument and a big debate. And one of the issues, some of the folks had adopted a theology called Calvinism, which says that God has predestined some to be saved and some to be lost, and there's nothing we can do about it, and all takes care of itself, so we shouldn't be taking our time and money for missions and all that. Some made that position, and other folks responded to Carrie preaching that this is what God has commanded us to do. There's a Baptist preacher present, and he had taken an admiral in the Navy who was a member of his church with him to the meeting. After the meeting and the big debate, he asked the man in his church what he thought. The man in his church said, uh, I'm a military man. I'm not a preacher. I'm not qualified to discuss the theology involved. But he said, as a military man, I do know one thing. When the commander in chief tells you to go, you don't debate whether it's a good idea or not. You go. We have a commission And we have the mechanics of it described for us in the scripture. It is our job. The local church to be invested in missions, that's giving outside of our local church ministry. It's our job to do that as individuals, but through the local church, making it possible for the local church to invest wisely and in an organized fashion in getting the gospel around the world. We're supposed to do that as God has prospered us. If God has only blessed you with a little bit of this world's goods, you're supposed to do a little bit of this. If he's blessed you with a more moderate amount of this world's goods, you're supposed to do more of this. 
If he's blessed you abundantly with this world's goods, you're supposed to do this abundantly. It's supposed to be accountable that there's clear understanding what money is raised, what's done with it, where it goes, how it's used. And this is the plan of God that God has given to us as a commission. Around the world, there are the lives of people being touched with the gospel they would never have heard about if there were not churches being obedient to this. I got to go a few years ago to um, Togo, West Africa. Have a former student there from when I was a Bible college president here in Florida. And um, he's pastoring a church there in Togo. He started several. And they started a church. Again, it's out in the jungle. It's not even in a village. There's not a store there or anything. A little cross street and a few houses and in two buildings besides the few houses. One is an elementary school run by the government. The other is a local Baptist church made possible by American mission giving. There's no electricity in the church building. But so happens because everybody in the area is used to going to that corner because of the elementary school. They have over 200 elementary school students whose families are not in their church but go to church there. I mean, it's amazing. They have a junior church choir that is out of this world. And I've sat on their platform and listened to their junior church choir of over 200 kids sing. Thinking, I sure do wish every one of the churches that had invested money in this project could see it. And see what is the result of their church being obedient to this instruction in the scripture. I said, you know, I believe if they could be here and see this, they'd wish they could do even more of it. If they could see what it is that God himself has done with this. It's amazing what God does when people are obedient to this simple plan. I've stood in in Japan, in a Bible college there. Japan, some countries are so open to the gospel, some aren't. Japan is one that is not. It's very hardened to the gospel. Very anti-American. And hard, they associate the gospel with the United States. But I've sat in a Bible college and taught in a Bible college there preached in chapel, talked to the Bible college students. And there's a map there. It's not a big school. When I was there, they had seven men training for ministry. It's never been a big school. I don't think they've ever had more than 12 students. But it's been there for 25 years. And there's a big map. And this map... 
pins in the map of Japan where their graduates have started churches. And even though it's never been a big school, the graduates of that school have started over 200 gospel preaching churches throughout Japan. And they, they had a time just one day for me. Again, it's not a big group. There were seven students in chapel. They just had a time. I asked for it, actually, before I preached in chapel, if they could just give their testimony about how they got saved. American missionaries went, started a church, started a Bible college. A missionary went from the missionary college and went and started a church here. And that person heard the gospel and got saved. Now they've been called to preach. Every, every one of them, the story of their conversion could be traced directly back to a program started by an American missionary that independent Baptist churches sent to Japan. Every one of them. I suspect that if you would have gathered all 200 of their graduates, American missions would be the story behind every single one of their graduates. They don't tend to build big churches in Japan. It's hard. I mean, it's really hard. But every one of them, I, I preached in a handful of churches there. None of them were large. Every one of them had a handful of people that had been led to Christ because of the influence of American missions. And every single one of those souls was precious to God. Every single one of those souls would have been missed if somebody hadn't been obedient to God's call for missions. So, so the question is really pretty simple. What do you and I do about it? The command is right there in front of us. The instructions about how to do it, and they're really very simple. A lot of big denominations have very complicated mission programs that don't get anything done. But, but the commands here are really very simple. And when a Baptist church is obedient to that, things happen. There it is. It's simple. What do we do with it? What does the plantation Baptist church do with this? And in the independent Baptist church... A pastor will come to the church with a plan and say, this is how we want to structure and do our missions giving. If that's your church plan, man, that's what you ought to be involved in. And the question is, what do you do with that? Won't those be interesting moments in heaven? When we get to meet folks that are reached for Christ as a result of our churches missions giving no matter where they're at I'll, I'll close with this one thought I was preaching in a Hispanic church in Dallas very gracious people it was a Spanish language church but they invited me to come preach at their missions conference and I got there and I noticed they had pictures up as and they had a missions board as many churches will do and, they, and all of their missionaries were to the Hispanic people I said you know 
That's kind of missions. I didn't plan on saying it, but preachers are interesting. Things pop in our mind, and all of a sudden they're in the middle of a sermon. We don't know why. See, that's kind of missions, but it's not really missions. Because you don't seem to be interested in anything other than Hispanic people. And you're Hispanic people. Missions, he's being interested in the whole world. Amen. I was back the next year. And there was their missions board. They had missionaries to the Philippines and missionaries to Russia and missionaries to England. Man, they got it. Missions is about helping the saints do the work outside of our local church around the whole world, everywhere that we possibly can. So what do we do with that? Pastor. And the people of God said amen to that, right? Would you pray with me, please? With your head bowed and your eyes closed. If you are a member of our church, you're saved, you're baptized, you're a member, regular attender, you've been coming to church for a long time, you have to be thinking, where am I? Am I, am I where God wants me to be in this simple plan? You have to be thinking, am I little blessed, meagerly blessed, kind of blessed, abundantly blessed? So I put $20 in every week. I mean, is that, you got to be thinking, what am I doing? Where am I? Am I approaching this? You have to be sitting there listening to these testimonies about people being saved around the world and thinking, Man, I want to have part of that. You kind of have to be taking an inventory of your own life. What am I doing? If you're here today and you're not a church person, maybe it's your first time here, maybe you're not a Christian, you really got to hear about what's important to churches. You know, you can always value what's important by kind of how you give money toward it. People hearing about the Lord Jesus and being saved is wonderful and it's valuable to us. And we want to be right before God. But you have to sit there and think, these people care about my soul. You know, it's one thing for somebody to get saved in a jungle in South America but man, America's been so blessed and we get to preach the gospel so freely. You should be saved here in America too. The Lord loves us. And he loves you. He died for your sin. And he's waiting there to receive you, save you, indwell you, change you. You've heard about wonderful testimonies about around the world, people getting saved and their lives changed. Your, your life could do that. This is the heartbeat of God. It's the heartbeat of missions. It's the heartbeat of our church. Heavenly Father God, thank you for the mechanics of missions. 
We, we live in a community, Lord, in Broward County. Millions of people. People from all over the world. We can go to our neighbor and talk to somebody from a different country, different culture. And we can tell them about the one God of all the earth who's the Savior of the world. We do it locally, and we can do it around the world. And I do believe, God, the day that a Christian takes their eye off of the heartbeat of God is the day that we, we make a, a big mistake. We're all going to stand before you one day. Lord, I pray if there be anybody here today and they're not a Christian, that they're thinking about becoming one. They're thinking about opening their heart and letting the Lord Jesus save them. I pray, God, for God's people that we're looking at our lives thinking, where do I stand in the plan of God? I wonder, with heads bowed and eyes closed, Christian, member, attender of Plantation Baptist Church, God spoke to your heart today. You heard his voice. And you're thinking about what God has done. You're asking God what he wants you to do. And you desire prayer for that. If you'd lift your hand, I sure would pray for you. Pastor, pray for me. I'm, I'm honestly searching. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. But you've heard about God who loves you. Say, Pastor, don't embarrass me. Don't call my name. But... Man, I think I need to be saved. I think I need to open my heart. God's been good to me, but I need to be saved. I need to be trust Jesus. Pray for me. My prayer won't save you, but it would encourage you. Pastor, here's my hand. Pray for me. I'm thinking about salvation with the Lord. Would there be anybody? Okay. Would you stand, please? Father, we're going to give a time of invitation. Just an opportunity for God's people to come and pray and search their heart. I pray that you would minister there. Lord, we'll be here ready with a Bible to show anybody how they could become a Christian today. Holy Spirit of God, work. Work. Move in hearts now, my own included, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our song of invitation is very simple. Have thine own way. Men and ladies are here to pray with you if you'd like to come. Church family, if you'd like to come and ask God what he'd have you to do for missions. Or thank God for what he's done in and through you for missions. The altar is open. If you'd like to become a Christian today, we sure would love to take a Bible and show you how. We just need a couple of moments. If you have enough courage just to walk down, I'll meet you in the front. Lift your voice, please.
you so much. We have coming for today, Brittany, whom we love and have known for a while. Brittany came to our church and um, many years ago, and about a year ago, maybe a little less than a year ago, she came to a full understanding of what salvation is in the person of Christ, and she received the Lord Jesus Christ as her Savior, and she's not been water baptized since, and so water baptism doesn't save you, but it's a testimony of your salvation, and she's coming today to present herself for biblical baptism as a child of God. If you rejoice with her, say amen, and we look forward to that. Thank you for being in the service. The next service starts at 1030. If you're not able to stay, of course, we understand. If you go home, make sure that you watch. You'll need both services to kind of connect the day and connect the dots, and pray, pray as we move forward at Plantation Baptist Church to reach souls around the world. I thought about a song to go home, and I don't know a better one than I love to tell the story. One verse. God bless you. We'll see you next hour. I love to tell the story of us and things in them of Jesus and His glory and his love I love to tell the story because I know tis true it satisfies my longings as nothing else can do I love to tell the story twill be my theme in glory to tell the and his love God bless you all you are dismissed